The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the first chapter. This is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. So they said to him, Who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, Then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan, where John was baptizing. This is the Gospel of the Lord. The Jews asked John the Baptist, Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. Throughout our Lord Jesus Christ's ministry, the Jews who opposed him were always searching, grasping, trying to find any reason that they could to reject Jesus Christ. Once it was apparent to them that he wasn't going to be the Messiah, the type of Messiah that they wanted him to be, they were all in, completely against him. They would appeal to Abraham as their father over and against him. We have Abraham as our father. We are Jews, children of the promise of the chosen of God. And later on during the apostolic ministry after our Lord had ascended into heaven, they would appeal to Moses. He is not our teacher, this Jesus. Moses, the Moses of the covenant, is our teacher. Abraham and Moses and the others that they appealed to were indeed great men of the people of Israel, men of God, His promise and election. And surely, invoking their names would add weight to their arguments against Jesus being this Christ. To say, we follow Abraham, we follow Moses, would teach everybody around them that they, not Jesus and His followers, were on the right track, and so it was that they invoked those names. Abraham, Moses, and the like. But here's the thing. If you are in an argument with somebody and you're going to invoke an authority, pull somebody else's name into it, you're going to want to make sure first that they are actually on your side, not the people you are arguing against. In the Bible we know from start to finish the gospel promise, the good news that God will save his people can be compared to that of a plant in its lifestyle, or lifestyle, life cycle, plant's lifestyle. Well, this is the 21st century. <laughs> the life cycle of a plant, okay? So in the Garden of Eden, in Genesis, back when uh, Adam and Eve fell into sin, God made the promise to the serpent and to them because they were listening that the son of the woman, the seed of the woman, would crush the serpent's head. And that was the seed. The seed of the promise of the gospel being planted into the ground. And along with a little time came and finally that seed sprouted when God picked Abraham and said, through you and your offspring, all the nations of the world will be blessed. Which is to say, one of your children is going to be that seed of the woman, the Christ, who will come into the world to destroy sin and death. Later on we know that that promise got more specific and narrow as it was given as it was given to Judah, and then later to David, that David would have a son who would sit on his throne forever, that son being the Christ. 
The promise was always growing, and that was the point of the whole scriptures. If you ever read through the Bible, that promise that God will save just keeps getting bigger and bigger with each generation, each chapter of the history of the Lord's people. And that promise itself is the essence of the scriptures. The gospel is what is at the center of the whole Bible, not ethnicity. Not being a son of Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob, as it were, but rather faith in the promise that God would come and save his people. And so it is, we have Deuteronomy, the first passage I read this morning. And it's a very clear prophecy that Moses gives. Someday in the future, God was going to raise up from Israel one of their own brothers. And he, this raised up one, would be a prophet like Moses. He would be a leader of the people of Israel, and he would speak the Lord's words, and they must listen to him or incur the Father's wrath. Now we all know, you especially have to be critical in this day and age when you have so many different messages coming at you from every direction. You want to be discerning about the things that you take in, you listen to, and that you hear and follow through on in action. There are false prophets. There are liars out there. There are even false Christs. And we don't want to be led astray by them. But also we know this, that we should never be so critical that we reject the actual truth as it is in front of us. And specifically the actual Christ who is in front of us. The actual one who came as a fulfillment of the Lord's promise. Otherwise, as Moses warns, to not listen to that prophet would be to Again, incur the Lord's wrath. You can get on a person's bad side. Probably all of us, to some degree or another, have been on a single person's bad side, and you can be okay. You can move away. You can never see them. You can never talk or text with them again, but you can't, you cannot be on God's bad side and walk away unscathed. Indeed, the stakes cannot be higher. The Jews that come from Jerusalem to speak to John the Baptist in the wilderness, they're actually asking him the right questions. Are you the Christ? Are you Elijah? Are you the prophet that Moses spoke about? They ask him good questions. Their problem is that they don't follow through. When he gives them the answer for who he is and what he's doing, they don't follow his answer to where it leads. Right? John gives the right answer. No, I'm not these things. And moreover, behold, that guy over there whose sandals I'm not worthy to even touch, he's the Lamb of God carrying away the sins of the world. I'm telling my disciples to go after him. You should go after him too. And on top of that, you have Moses himself. Again, giving these Jews the right answer by standing with Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration where Peter, James, and John were standing there witnessing Jesus Christ in his glory, Moses himself endorsing this man, Jesus of Nazareth, not just as the prophet of Moses, but as God's son to whom God's people should listen. It is indeed ironic for the Jews that oppose Jesus, is it not? They appeal to Moses as their authority over and against Jesus. And Moses is right there saying, Jesus is the guy. Listen to him. But finally, the Jews did not heed that authority they kept appealing to because that authority was not saying what they wanted him to say. 
And that is the simple lesson that we have today that I want you to take away from this. I don't want you to ever, any of you, to make the Jews who are opposed to Jesus' mistake. I don't want you to fall into the rut that they fell in. Never appeal to an authority, but not heed that authority with what that authority says. And I'm talking about Christianity here in particular. Never appeal to being a Lutheran. Never appeal to being a follower of Jesus, a believer in Jesus, a Christian, however you want to say it, but then not follow through. Following through in a faith which trusts your God. In a life which reflects the love and the beauty and the truth and goodness of the Savior who you appeal to. Because that authority, Jesus Christ, is indeed the prophet like Moses, risen up from the brothers of Israel. So confess that he is, and listen to him, and believe and follow through all the days of the life that God gives you. Amen.